Alrighty, folks, welcome back. I just consumed a dangerous amount of chicken pesto, and the heartburn is starting to kick in a little bit, but I'm going to power through. Going to bring you guys a great show tonight. Going to be Jack, myself, and Jordan Robles joining us later. So, going to be a good one. This is the Pipe It Up Podcast. Cue the intro. Chicken pesto, eh, Tom? Little chicken pesto while I'm moving out. On probably Friday for good. Mm-hmm. And I think my mom's stepping up her game for this last week, it seems like. She's starting out hot, though. Monday, chicken pesto. It was pretty good, I'm not going to lie. So uh, she's got a tough act to follow coming up the rest of the week. Um, and Jack, the first thing I wanted to ask you is, you sent me some videos last night. That was Sunday night. And it looked like you Magic Boys were on a little uh, team retreat there. What were you guys up to? Yeah. Oh, the Wizards got together. Um, it was the really Wiz- fun. I like that. The Wizards. The I like that a lot. We, well, I, I always think that because every time like I comment something or I see people comment on Instagram, the go-to emoji is that little wizard guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but uh, it was awesome. We've been trying to do this for a while. Just you know, I've talked about it a little bit some extracurriculars to try to get some chemistry going and get to know each other a little more. Since um, you know, being the manager, I I actually don't know those guys too well personally believe it or not i kind of only know them through wiffle ball um mm-hmm. so the activity that we went and did was foaling um which for those of you who are you know confused and don't know what that is it's football combined with bowling essentially so imagine um it was it was really in like a warehouse basically and there were tons of lanes um but imagine you have uh, a set of bowling pins set up on both sides of a lane and people on both sides of a lane. And instead of, you know, rolling a bowling ball to knock the pins down, you're throwing a football to try to knock them down. Um, to be honest with you, you know, I played football. I definitely didn't play quarterback, um, mm-hmm. but it was a lot harder than I thought. Uh, it was a lot harder than I anticipated to, to knock the pins down. I must say, uh, out of Trevor, Jordan, and myself, Trevor, you know, he naturally took the crown, which I'm, I'm, I like to see that out of my pitcher. You know, I like to see the accurate uh, ball placement there from that kid. So that was good to see. But it was a lot harder than I thought. And something that I didn't really think about, but was definitely a factor, mm-hmm. was because there's like so many lanes and you're throwing footballs, like, like if you if you threw like a baseball it's pretty predictable how it's going to bounce most of the time right yeah a football like if it hits the ground it's pretty hard to anticipate like which way it's going to go like it could kind of bounce like any direction yeah, it's, the, it's the greased pig it's like a fumble it's, it's crazy impossible. so so if you can imagine like some people are athletic some people are unathletic and these lanes that you're playing on are only like I don't know, 12 feet apart, maybe like 10 feet apart. So there's footballs okay. just flying all over this yeah. warehouse. I mean, it's like you got to have your head on a swivel or else you're mm-hmm. going to get like rocked in the face. If you're like not paying attention, you have to sign a waiver for this. Or you anything? do. You do. <laughs> I, was gonna say. I you, you, you have to sign a waiver. I, um, yeah, literally you, you walk in and that's the first thing you have to do. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and rightfully so, because, you know, I, I would not recommend it for people who are like, you know, maybe not as mobile or don't have the best awareness when it comes to, you know, just knowing your surroundings and 
That's like the scenario where like you get all the boys together and like you have your wife or your girl with you and then she gets clocked in the head from somebody else yes. playing and she's mad and you're not having a good time. Anymore. And then and then I felt really bad because there was a couple times. So then so the other thing was, I mean, constantly you're like handing the ball back to the person like in the lane next to you because it's like always coming yeah. over to your lane and yours is always going over there. So you're constantly like giving it back to each other. And it almost gets like awkward to the point where it's like you say thank you so many times, yeah. like thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other thing is like, there sometimes it'll be like a few lanes down. And so <laughs> there was like two or three times where a few lanes down, someone's ball had come into our lane, and I like go to throw it back to him, oh, and no. and it's kind of like, I mean, without knowing the people, you don't really know their instincts and i definitely threw it like way too hard kind of you know caught him off guard or whatever so i felt yeah. bad about those ones but overall it was it was 12 dollars to get into this place and it was i mean that was it you could play for as long as you want you just walk in you, you don't just, have to like reserve a lane or anything no you can you can if you were worried about it like i don't know if it was a day where there were a bunch of people or whatever yeah you could reserve a lane but there was plenty of room we went in there and yeah, 12 bucks. You could play as long as you want. I mean, it was a great, great activity. And uh, yeah, like I said, Trevor, definitely the MVP. I think me and Jordan were pretty close for second place, but you know, definitely, definitely a lot of work to be done. And I would go back. I'd, I'd love to go with you sometime, Tom, if you're up for it. I'll be honest. It, it looked difficult. The one video you sent me, like those pins are fairly far apart so it's not like you hit one they're all falling down it looks like you got to be pretty accurate with your throw That's i've never done thing. it before but um they started popping up like in our area probably a good five six years ago now it's been a while and we've like yeah. been saying we were going to do it like my extended family was like oh we should do falling because one just opened up by us and that kind of thing yeah never done it that's the thing is like you know, I, I went in when I first went in, there were some people in there that seemed like they had done it before and they were all going with the strategy of like lobbing it more than like throwing a bullet pass. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, the bullet is going to be the way to go because it's going to knock the most like pins down, yeah, but some collateral damage, some collateral damage. But to be honest with you, it was really easy, to, like, or I should say it was harder to knock more pins down with one throw than you would think like there was a lot of times where you'd throw a ball and you'd think it was going to be like so good and hit multiple pins and it would only take out like two or three and you were thinking mm -hmm. like you're going to get a strike like none of us got a strike at all the whole time yeah, what's, and there was what's one like game a... there was one game where trevor and i both had one pin left and I swear, like, with one pin left, the game went on for another, like, 25 minutes of us trying to hit the one pin down. It was it was actually, I think my my shoulder is kind of sore. I'm not going to lie. It is yeah. sore. So how do you actually play it? So it's, is it not scored like normal bowling? So, no. Well, no, it's not. So basically, um, I don't know the official way to determine who starts, but whoever starts uh, throws the ball, and you can play, like, 2v2 or 1v1. And mm -hmm. it's literally just whoever knocks the pins down first on one side. So it's like you just take turns going back and forth, and whoever gets all the pins down first wins. The only way to win automatically is obviously if you get a strike. And the other way is the middle pin. Um, like it's the same formation as bowling would be set up as. So the middle pin is is a red pin, 
And if you hit that pin down without knocking any of the other ones down, it's game over. Which that's what the possible. That's what the rule is. I don't know how that's possible. I didn't <laughs> see anyone do it there. I'm sure like professional fullers, you know, I guarantee that's a thing. I'm sure they've got it down to a science on like the way to hit it so that it doesn't knock it down. But I don't know. I, I would be pretty impressed if someone w- could do that. But yeah, I got to try it now. Now I'm curious. Yeah. How does that rank for you kind of in the weird niche sport category? Did you like it overall? Was it kind of just cool to try once and you probably wouldn't do it again? Um, You know, it was I would definitely go again. I would definitely go again Um, in terms of like it it being up there in the weird sports or like, like I wouldn't put it above bowling. <clears throat> Excuse okay, me. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I bowling. wouldn't put I it above I didn't bowling. bowl this year yet, but I'm a big bowling fan. Yeah. Bowling's fun. I think it was a good, it was a good thing to like, I want to go back because now I feel like I, you know, got the hang of it a little bit at the end. Mm-hmm. Like when I was first starting there was, I, I had probably like 10 throws in a row where I thought it was going to knock down like all the pins and I was just like missing the board completely. Like, yeah, it was kind of hard. So well, if you bounce that, it might just like jut away and not touch anything. You got to hit it pretty square. I feel like exactly. Exactly. Like if you, if the football bounces, oh, you know would be sick, Jack. Didn't you used to be a long snapper? I thought about it. What if you snapped <laughs> I it? Thought, I even told Jordan at one point, or I told Trevor at one point, I go, I might just have to long snap this back there because yeah, I dude. can't hit anything right now. But yeah, I, I, I didn't do it because I didn't want to be that guy to mess it up and then get us kicked out of there for some reason. But I think I think if I work up the courage next time, I might give that a try because that might on, honestly work better for yeah, me. Yeah, you might least. take out a civilian, an innocent bystander. But if we have some, yeah. some boys around to protect, um, yeah. I think that'd be cool. But yeah. I agree. I feel like it'd be tough for me to rank it over bowling. I have to try it yeah. first, of course, but I really haven't tried too many like unique, weird sports like that. Of course, wiffle ball is for sure one of them, and I'm pretty well read in that sport. But besides that, I did curling once, which was weird. Mm-hmm. It was cool, but um, it's definitely like harder than you think it'd be, and takes a lot of skill. And um, like with the group I was with, which is my family, my extended family. Once again, uh, like not everyone was that athletic and mobile yeah. and stuff like that. We had a wide variety of age ranges so it was like tough to be good as a group you know what i mean maybe we could that was maybe you and i tom could start a little series where we go and try new weird sports because i would really like to do two variations of golf one being disc golf because i've never done that and the Mm -hmm. other one is like that is like the it's like is it soccer golf it's like a big have you seen that before or am i making this up no, I think this is kind it's of like a soccer about, like, ball and like the hole is way bigger, obviously. I, I think I have seen this on Twitter. Yeah. Like it was a viral video a couple of yeah. years ago. That one looks That'd crazy. Sweet. I don't know if there's anywhere to do that around us. I know there's got there's definitely disc golf places and I'd really like to try that. Yeah, I'd, I'd be down. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I can't think of too many, to be honest, that I want to try. I will say that my one friend um, who lives like a half hour away had texted me a couple weeks ago, but I was busy doing other stuff. And he was going to some warehouse that was hosting a ping pong tournament. And there was like yeah. professional players there. And I was like, dude, if I was free, I'd be there in a minute to watch that. Yeah. That'd be so sweet. That would be that unreal. Busy. So that would be a cool thing to attend. And I, I wouldn't do too good trying to play, but it would be cool. But besides that, I'm trying to think of other like weird sports that I would do. And I can't think of too many. Like falling, I, really, I think is a relatively new thing as yeah. far as I know. I don't um, know if we. What's ta- like? What is uh? Oh, I've never done axe throwing. Have you done that before? Nope. That's another one. That's, that's one. another. That's another one I want to try. Um, 
I feel like I could be pretty decent at axe throwing, but another I, yeah, one was, uh, uh, it's not even really that weird, but it's, it's gaining popularity is pickleball. I've never played that oh, either. Yeah. Never played pickleball. No, I've never played, but I I've seen it. I've seen it be played like online and it looks super fun. Yeah. My family got into that same, same crew as the curling crew. People we go up North with. Yeah. Um, we were doing that, uh, the summer of COVID. So 2020, mm-hmm. like our local tennis courts up North, it's just a little tiny park. They had painted on pickleball courts and that's a good game because people of all ages can kind of play, especially doubles. You don't need to move around too much. And yeah. it's cool because it's pretty much like whoever messes up first in like a, in a, in a, amateur game like you're not like putting crazy spin and stuff like that in the ball so it's all about just like making the not making errors basically because like right. i could be way better at hitting the ball hard and like and making crazy athletic plays but if i hit it into the net or hit it too far it's like oh i just did that to myself yeah because like a long rally in pickleball as like when me being the one who's you know 21 years old and then i have like two 60 year olds across from me and then my mom next to me it's like you get antsy like i want to make a big play and end this rally and then you try to make a big play and screw it up and it's so frustrating it's demoralizing it's just <laughs> it like who's going to be the one to make a mistake right mm-hmm. who who's going to be that one yeah so that game requires patience but a good game um but that that was a uh, that was what my weekend uh entailed but what about you tom i think you had a pretty uh eventful weekend as well is that right uh, well, I've been doing a lot of moving, so I was yeah. definitely moving around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Saturday, I was moving stuff, um, and then, yes, Sunday, all day, like, I had to go out, drive an hour to my grandma's house because she's nice enough to be giving me some of her old furniture she's not using, so I drove an hour out there, hour back, 15 minutes to the new place, so I've been moving a lot, and then, yeah, I had an MRI last week, got the results. Oh, that's right, yeah. Had an MRI last week, got the results this morning, and, well, I got the results on Friday, like, I could see it. Mm-hmm. Um, myself but like i had a doctor talk to me about it this morning right what it was basically like gibberish to you yeah, not really though because i could i can read it was oh, just okay. like it was just like text um no but was it confusing like was it too medically not, no not to me oh okay so, good so guys i was i was wrong um for the past two years i've been telling everybody like i guarantee not guarantee but i was pretty confident that i had you know strained or partially torn you know, a muscle in my chest. And I had explained it to doctors. And he's like, yeah, it's kind of what it sounds like. We'll do an MRI, blah, blah, blah. But got the results back and there's no sign of any sort of major or minor tear in the chest and the bicep, nothing. So I go to my appointment. So I'm, I see that and I'm like, wow. it's a mixed feeling, right? Because it's like, okay, yeah. good. I don't need surgery now. But it's also like, what is wrong with like, why do I have pain? Why have I had pain for two years now since this injury occurred? Right. So I go to this appointment and the guy's just like, yeah, there's like I don't know what you want me to say. Like, there's nothing there. Um, he goes, I can refer you. To, I can refer you to a different department, a different specialist in some other. I forget the medical terms, but he offered to refer me to a different specialist, and I was like, well, like last year I started to kind of work it out again when I thought it was better, and I it did that for several months and got a little stronger. And then it started to bother me really bad again, so I stopped, and I was like, I can, you know, go through that process again, and we'll see what happens, and then I can do the referral thing. But I'm just frustrated. Well, for a, a variety of different reasons, but basically, Jack, in my life, at least from what I can remember, when I was very young, like three or four, I did break my arm, and that was like an actual break. Mm-hmm. So that went fine at the doctor's office, and that you know I got a cast and clean all that break. kind of stuff, and yeah, clean break. <laughs> but when I was like uh, eleven or twelve, I was in seventh grade, and I had some weird unknown hip issue, and that was like severe to the point where I couldn't walk. I was on crutches for like four or five months. 
And same kind of thing where no doctor could tell me or my family like what on earth was causing this severe pain. And like Hmm. I said, that was much more severe. I could spend a whole hour talking about that. So we're not going to get into it. It did heal after I had a procedure, basically a test for infection. I had a bone biopsy. If you guys are curious what that is, you can Google it. But I had a bone biopsy that was to test for infection. Wasn't designed to heal the thing. But for some reason, after the bone biopsy, the, the hip healed itself. Weird. So that was another total ordeal where like I had a injury that no doctor could tell me hmm. what was wrong. And that was a more intense search because like I said, I was a kid. Um, yeah. I couldn't walk. I couldn't use this right leg. It was just dead weight. So that was a little bit more scary. Whereas this is less severe, but the same kind of thing where it's like I go to these doctors and no one can tell me why I'm in pain. And my friend's like, oh, maybe it's in your head. I'm like, this is not in my head. This occurred. My dad was there when it happened. I told him right away. Like, I don't know. So it's frustrating. Like, I don't want to go see another specialist just for someone to tell me, like, I don't know what's wrong. So I don't know what to do at this point. Is is that what where you're going to go from here? Or are you going to see another specialist? Well, what I was telling the doctor this morning is I'm going to, I'm going to just start using it again a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I still do go to the gym often, but I haven't like done any really chest exercises or shoulder exercises now in eight or nine months again. So I'll start reintroducing that and go from there. I'm not super optimistic, but I was listening to, it's funny because I feel like I've explained this to my friends many times and like nobody really gets it. And especially because a lot of my friends don't work out. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll understand this, Jack. If you've had any injuries, I don't know. But I was oh, finally yeah. listening to Plenty. a podcast that was not about injuries or sports or anything. Totally unrelated. But I was watching this podcast, and somehow the topic of an injury came up because one of these guys was a runner. And he worded it, like, so perfectly. And I was like, finally, I can relate. Like, someone understands, like, what I've been going through. Because what he said was basically, like, once you... First of all, when I was a kid, like, younger, like, 12, 13, 14, and my, like, dad and coaches and stuff started, like, get me to work out, I always hated it. Like, I hated mm-hmm. it because I was small, I was skinny, like, super weak kid. Never enjoyed it. But then, like, as you get better and get stronger and, like, you become more disciplined, like, it's a part of your daily routine, you know? And it's, like, one thing... That was like one thing I could always control, no matter what was going on in life, whether it was stress from the YouTube channel or from school or from family, like going to the gym every morning is one thing you can do. And it like gets you further ahead than you were the day before. You know what I mean? It's one thing you can always do to discipline yourself and to stay consistent and to get better. You know, it gets you healthier, um, makes you feel better, makes you look better, all that kind of stuff. So that was something I could control always. And when you lose that like ability to just continue to better yourself every single day, it just like sucks. It makes you feel sluggish. It makes you feel lazy. And it's like all that work you've been putting in to get better and better and better. It's like now every day I feel like I'm getting weaker and weaker and weaker and looking worse and worse and worse. So that's like what sucks about it so much. Like, am I fine? Yeah, I can still do my thing. Like I've been playing with ball for two years, two seasons now with this. Um, but it just sucks. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It just, it just sucks. Yeah. It kind of, I mean, I hate to add salt to the wound, no pun intended, but it almost <laughs> makes you, it's almost even more difficult because when they tell you like, oh yeah, there's nothing really material wrong. You kind of are probably thinking like, well, all this time I wasted now, like no, I could have been, you know, I could have been, but you know, if you, if you flip that and give it a little spin zone now that's just fuel for you to really get back on the horse and you're just going to have to work twice as hard, right? To make up for that time. It is. Yeah. But like I said, I was back on the horse kind of last year. Like I did this already. So yeah. like I did, I had some exams. I said, you're probably fine. Did the physical therapy thing. And like I was getting stronger again, but then like, as I started to get 
like actually trying to move a little bit of weight around again. It mm-hmm. was like my healthy side felt fine and this side was like an agonizing pain. So I don't know. I'll keep you guys posted on that, but it's just been a frustrating, frustrating couple of years, let alone this yeah, week. Yeah, wow. But, I mean, this has been going on for a while. I guess, you know, it's tough when things like this, when you don't really get the closure that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess one piece of closure that you could take away from this is like, even if you are in in some pain with whatever you're going through and as you continue to like add more uh exercises and things back into your routine at -hmm. least you can know like okay well even though this is like hurting me for some reason there's nothing material like wrong like i'm not gonna you know what i mean like like i'm sure it'll it'll at some point it'll be solved right like at some point there'll be some different symptom that'll pop up where that'll maybe lead to like more definitive closure but mm-hmm. at least with like if you can manage your pain and figure out ways to manage your pain you can know in your head like all right when i'm working out like i'm not making it worse you know like i can practice yeah, and that's I the can, one good thing yeah. i can practice and like not worry about like ruining it like for the rest of the season it's just like pain like i can deal with the pain you know what i mean yeah but yeah i got no problem with a little pain it's just uh it's tough scary. man that's scary. i've been i've been through <clears throat> i've had so many injuries in my you know career athletic career and some of them some of them were like that you know where it's just like they they tell you like oh you know it's it'll be like a, a few months like two months three months and it's like six months later and it's still completely bothering you and you feel like you haven't gotten any better and it's just it's tough man it's it's like you said when it's it's something that you do all the time and that gets ripped Mm -hmm. away from you it it really affects you in like a lot of different ways i can't really explain it but yeah it it genuinely does affect you and now i'm like kind of used to it but especially that first summer it sucked which was now 2021 which is crazy to say yeah yeah dude it, it stinks so I'll keep wow. you guys posted, but um, for all you out there who are dealing with your own injuries, I feel for you guys, and uh, yeah. we'll get through this together, I guess. Well, I don't sp- know. Speaking of dealing with change, we had a uh, we had another rules adjustment announced uh, for the MLW season in 2023. It is now required that each team for each game will have to have a four-man lineup minimum. Uh, which obviously if you guys have watched last year, it was always three as the minimum. So now we're mm-hmm. adding that additional person. Tommy, what are your thoughts? It's a shakeup. It definitely is a little shakeup, right? Yeah. Um, I think there's pros and cons, just like the whole draft opt-in, opt-out thing. And um, I guess I'm excited. It will like involve you know more guys and make it more of a team game rather than an individual game, if that makes sense. Like You're going to need your guys, your role players, to step up in these big games in the regular season and in the postseason to to win those big games, you know what I mean? Yep. So that's exciting to me. Um, as a manager, it adds more responsibility, which I think is kind of cool and exciting too as I've already kind of started to brainstorm how I'm going to manage my guys this season with the draft coming up too, mm-hmm. as well as as a player, um, particularly on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, it puts a little bit more pressure on you with your at-bats, right? Your at-bats aren't quite as frequent. You're probably going to only get up in an average game know two three four times maybe at most so um yeah it makes you value your plate appearances a little bit more so I- i'm excited for this change it seems like it was pretty well received and yeah. yeah what are your thoughts jack 
Yeah, you know, I think um, I think this is a a manager friendly move. To be honest, it does create a little bit more responsibility for mm-hmm. the manager in terms of who they're going to put in that fourth spot. Um, however, for a lot of teams in the league, you know, the reason we made that draft change was due to that roster management that we talked about. And now having this fourth guy in the lineup, you know, allows managers to not have to make like it, it, it'll snowball. Cause eventually like who, who they decide to put in that fourth position is going to be difficult. But for mm-hmm. a lot of managers who they decided to bat their three man lineup was very difficult. And obviously some, for people, sure. some managers did more than others, but if you just look at the numbers and the, the championships that have been won in this league, it's almost always uh, three man lineups that really get the job done. It's, you know, more at bats, uh, just more times you're seeing the ball, you get more comfortable at the plate. You know, if you have one or one really good hitter, that person gets more plate appearances, like all that stuff. So I do think it's a manager friendly move. I think from, you know, pros and cons, I think one of the cons is that we're just not going to see as many like gaudy statistics really in terms of like home runs and RBIs. I don't think anymore. Right. Because you're just, Mm -hmm. you're just not getting as many plate appearances. If you get less appearances, you have less opportunities to hit a home run. So yeah, someone could have, you know, a crazy season and that, and that would be really awesome. But just statistically speaking, it's probably not very likely that we're going to see, you know, like 12 home runs like anytime soon. Um, which is that it is what it is. I think it from a personal, for, you know, from my team, the magic from a, my managerial standpoint, I'm pretty happy about it. I think that it evens things out for us, for a team that like struggles batting. Like we yeah, na- now, fair. now other teams who really had this, like, you know, they just had these three headed monsters. Like now they have to add another guy. Um, and I think like, for you know a team kind of like either the diamondbacks or the wildcats like the teams who have you know been at the top consistently right like you take the wildcats they're the last few seasons has always been kyle nick and uh jackson and now it's like okay well they got to figure out a fourth guy uh who's that mm-hmm. gonna be right and whoever that fourth guy is means that we see kyle schultz less every every game we see nick sailor less every game which you know compounds like that makes a huge difference and same for the diamondbacks they're gonna have to add someone which means pitching to them you know you're gonna see jimmy norp less um Mm -hmm. and you're also going to have to like think about how you attack an additional batter right like it's gonna it's gonna change a lot of things both offensively and defensively but i think it's a really good shakeup Depth is definitely a huge thing. I think right away you think of the Eagles as a team who have used you know, five guys all of last oh, year. Oh yeah, so. Dan has got to be ecstatic with this. Yeah, rule Dan, Dan, this this benefits the Eagles for sure. Yeah. Other teams that ran three a lot are going to be tested a little, little bit more. Like you said, the Wildcats, the Diamondbacks, even myself and the Mallards, we ran three most of the year. So that'll be a shakeup for these teams, and it's a shakeup for the managers, and it, yeah. a lot more uh, strategy comes into play. But it is cool because now in games with. In games where you're DHing for a pitcher, you can have like five guys involved at all times, if not six, like if you're the Eagles. So yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, I think um, I think also 
has noted on Instagram, the idea of not having any ghost runners is going to be really yeah, cool big. because with our, you know, <laughs> it just seems like every year the plays in the field keep getting better and better and more and more chaotic. And I mm -hmm. feel it when you just keep adding bodies out there, it's just like <laughs> more chaos is going yeah. to ensue. You know what I mean? So I think it, that's, it's, it's going to a, you know, create less confusion for the audience in terms of like, okay, where are the ghost yeah, runners that's huge. and B it's going to like always, it's going to have everyone, you know, out there involved. Like it'll, it'll be, I think it'll be great for the, for the yeah. base running too. I think from a content perspective, that's like the best part of that. Yeah. Just the consumption of a clip with like a ghost runner is not as good versus no. having guys on base everywhere. So that's, that is pretty cool. I agree with you, Jack, a hundred percent, but for sure. Let us know, uh, guys, what you think of the move, and um, I guess we'll see how it plays out come May. So, All righty, folks, that wraps up the first half of the episode, and now we have the Rookie of the Year from 2022, Jordan Robles, joining us on the show now. Jordan, thanks for calling in tonight. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm excited that March is almost here. Like It's almost uh, MLW time. Draft's <laughs> coming up, so I'm excited. It is. It is. How's the, how's the New York weather this time of the year? It's uh, absolutely terrible, um, but... <laughs> On the bright side, we're supposed to get a snowstorm tonight, so I'm really putting all my eggs in the snow day basket for tomorrow. <laughs> um, I'm staying up late, and uh, in my mind, we're not having school tomorrow, so hopefully the snow actually comes through. God, What's that's the... Go ahead, Jack. <laughs> no, I was gonna, I'm was i sure you are going to ask something similar, but like, I, I always remember that as a student, obviously, but what are, what are the teacher traditions for trying to get a snow day? That's what I'm I'll, curious about. I'd say the common thing from the the older teachers I work with, they don't like to talk about it at all. I'm on the total <laughs> opposite side. I'm telling kids to do whatever they need to do to ensure a snow day comes. A spoon under the pillow. That was mine. Uh, yeah, like what, whatever tradition you got, go to it because I don't want to come to work tomorrow. So you know, <laughs> it's like Voldemort. You. you shouldn't even speak about it at school any snow days. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like veteran teachers, it's like sacred to not talk about it. I gotta say, Jack and Jordan, this applies to you too, but that's the one thing that I don't care what kind of infrastructure is in place. Like I know now there's tools in place to like give kids virtual school, right? Because of COVID and that kind of stuff. Now like mm -hmm. online learning is possible. But man, those are some of the greatest days of your life as a child. It's getting cool called off because of a snow day. And if they take that away at some point, I'm going to be very upset because snow days are awesome. Every once in a while, kids and teachers too, Jordan, and teachers deserve a snow day. You know what I mean? They deserve a day off. I know. Yes. Safety first. It's all about the kids at the end of the day. And uh, yeah, you know, kids need now more than ever time to go outside and play and actually be kids. That's true. Mm -hmm. Coming from the man who's fighting obesity himself. I'm on the front lines <laughs> Monday to Friday every day fighting the obesity epidemic that goes on in this country. You know, someone's got to do the job and I answer the call. He does. He does. And we salute you for your service. Um, <laughs> so well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to get off on a tangent too much here, but I'm still kind of curious about the snow day thing. Like, so <laughs> do you find out like before the students or not really? So crazy story about that. A former student at the school district that I work at is now a meteorologist in Australia, I believe, Ben Knoll. So he wow. like gives his weather report for our area in closing percentages. So today, Ben Knoll's prediction was 100% closing uh, rate for tomorrow, like every school in my county, every wow. school in Orange County, New York. Oh, so, so it's looking good. Less. So it's looking yeah, good. Yeah, it's almost a lock. If we don't it's have a snow a day, this would be an all-time historic bad beat. <laughs> ben Knowles never lost when he's given a 100% uh, closing rate. So this would be a horrific beat. 
honest, horrific. <laughs> That would be. for the best how that we, just was... we need that as a graphic yeah. <laughs> his, his record his record yeah what's his record ben Cole is undefeated never lost truly legend legend i remember <laughs> i can remember some bad beats i remember getting snow days sometimes where i'm like wow i can't believe they called school and then i can also remember like my sister and i getting into our 2010 pontiac vibe that could barely drive to school on a good day it had 200,000 miles on it trying to plow through four inches of snow it was just a disaster. <laughs> you know, we'd be a half hour late for the day. Um, but yeah, there's nothing better than a snow day. I remember in terms of insider knowledge, one time legendary moment. Um, I think I was a sophomore in high school at the time and my older sister was a senior and she was, you know, a good student on student council and that kind of stuff. And she actually, for some reason, had the cell phone number of superintendent and I don't know, maybe she'd already graduated. I don't know, but for some reason, she texted him like the night of, like, Dr. Gray, what's going on? Like, are we going to yeah. have school tomorrow or not? And he, before there was any news out anywhere on like on social media or on like this uh, district's like Twitter accounts or anything, he texted her back and was like, we just closed. And I was like, yes. <laughs> was, none of my friends believe me, but sure enough, 25 minutes later, we got the call. So that was awesome. Shout out to Dr. Gray, legend. Best news ever. Best news ever. I still, even in college, we got some snow days because it was so cold in Michigan here, but snow days are no longer a thing in, in my, at this point in time in my career. So I, I envy you for that, Jordan. But <laughs> let's uh, let's get back on track here. Um, switch gears to MLW, um, as we probably should. Enough snow day talk. But how do you uh, feel about your, your rookie season now, looking back on it a few months later? Um, It was all right. Obviously, goal is to win a championship. Didn't win a championship, so like... I, I want to win. If I if I don't win, I like as a Yankees fan. If you don't win, it was a failure. So we didn't win. We didn't accomplish what we set out to do. I mean, it was a failure season in my mind. But uh, obviously, we got to get better. Obviously, got to make changes. So uh, I'm excited to have another opportunity to try and uh, bring that championship home. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I mean, we had a good year, and like I tried to. I really, if you guys couldn't tell. In like Jordan didn't get interviewed post game that day when we lost to the D backs in the playoffs, and I did. And I was like really trying to be somewhat optimistic and reflect on this season compared to the previous one and like bring out the positives and not be a negative Nancy in the interview. But of course, like we were devastated that we didn't uh, come out on top on that series. So yeah, like Jordan said, it was a, we, we fell short of our goals, but I'm excited to um, move forward. So what do you think you talked about getting better and improving? What, are there any particular areas that you are really focused on next year and fine tuning your game for at least the MLW style of wiffle ball? Yeah, I would say specifically for MLW, like I uh, finally developed that two seamer. So kind of with that, I already have a couple more pitches that I feel a lot more comfortable with, regardless of whatever ball I get. I know I'll be able to make it do what I want and move the way I want. Um, And just like my issue towards the end of MLW, like I'm playing fast pitch, bigger barrel bats and I'm playing yard, which is longer moonshot sticks, like same barrel size, but I'm facing cut wiffle balls, knuckleball heavy guys, a uh, little further distance, and it's a faster medium pitch version. So like before I play MLW, getting swings with a yellow bat, I would say like in the early part of MLW when my schedule wasn't as busy, before I would go to Michigan, I would take BP like two, three days before I, I flew out. So I was getting a ton of reps in with the yellow bat, so... Every time I have a series, just like forcing myself to get those reps in, because even if I had a tournament playing a different style, it's a totally different swing having the yellow bat and like anticipating more slider heavy stuff because the MLW ball, that's I feel like the pitch you can get the most movement with. So getting those yellow bat reps in before I get to MLW, like never flying out without taking BP with the yellow bat, because 
such a weird change going from heavier bat to the unmodified yellow. It's just mm-hmm. totally different swings. Mm-hmm. So you you, you kind of lead into my next question there, Jordan. But um, having that background and playing a little bit different style in these you know more tournament based leagues, although it's different in MLW, you know how do you think that has helped you and maybe even you know given you a leg up because. Coming in as a rookie, clearly, you know, the rule changes or not rule changes, but uh, the difference in style of play didn't really affect you too much. So, like, how, how how did that, you know, what did you really, like, lean on and how did it translate so well for you? Yeah, so, like, obviously, there's little slight variations, the base running, the unmodified yellow bat, um, pitching distance. And although there's a speed limit of 72 miles an hour, the pitching distance isn't that long, so it's still pretty fast. Like, especially if you got a guy throwing seventy three and the ball's moving a ton in a short distance, it's still pretty fast. So I would say the fact that I did come from a heavy fast pitch background, like if someone gasses me up at seventy three or even higher than seventy three, it's nothing I haven't seen. So I'm confident I can react to it and put it in play. But also putting the ball in play, like in fast pitch, no base running, wherever you hit the ball, it's not really an issue. But Say in MLW, I got a runner on second base or a runner on third. I'm trying to hit the ball to the right side so I can give that guy a better opportunity to go third to home or second to third. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. make the fielder have to make a decision. Am I going to get the out at first or try and throw across the diamond to this guy going second to third? So like closer to baseball where if you get in the box, you got to know the situation and try and I guess like hit behind the runner. If you got a guy on third, try and hit a fly ball so he can tag up like Whereas in fast pitch, I'm trying to hit the ball over the fence. And that's really mm-hmm. it, honestly. But, um, you know, trying to move runners in a strategic way or even like a swinging bunt is one of the most valuable things you can get in base running wiffle ball because that just creates chaos. But with that being said, the defense at MLW is so good that you can't really get away with a cheap swinging bunt. Like guys will make that play. True. True. Yeah. So you've been playing wiffle ball, though. Like you said, fast pitch competitive for a long time. Um, we had you on. Which is funny now that now that you're in the league and stuff. That was not planned, by the way. We had Jordan really? on. Well, you were a guest on the podcast probably a little over a year ago now. It was probably January yeah. or February of last year. Yeah, it wasn't. It was always in the realm of possibility, but like we hadn't made a concrete decision on that yet. Anyway, so we talked to you a lot about your fast pitch background and stuff, and it sounded like you've been playing in tournaments like that for about 15 years, right? Yeah. So uh, like truly since the fifth grade, I, I was in a fast pitch on scuff yellow bat tournament. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So what I was curious of now, jumping on to MLW, which, you know, different style of play, different levels of talent, but of course a big audience, has that, I'm sure your family and friends have heard you talk about wiffle ball for, you know, years now and, and heard about it, but haven't maybe seen too much. Um, has their like perception of the sport at all or of your talent, has that changed at all for them just watching you now play wiffle ball? Because the reason I bring this up is because when I met your mom um, at UIFs in October, she like seems so grateful that you are a part of this now and like getting more exposure and that kind of stuff. And that was cool for me to hear her talk about that. Yeah. So I would say uh, people's perception, friends and family of me playing wiffle ball since I joined MLW, drastic changes, complete 360. Um, before it was always kind of like, why are you doing this? You're wasting your time. Like no one really understood where I was going with it. Or they just thought like, especially my dad, that I should have continued to play baseball. Like, um, but I just, I don't know, I just never stopped playing. Like, I wanted to be the best. I still, to this day, want to win a national championship in fast pitch. So, like, 
just that driving force of like, I need to get better. I, I want to truly be the best, play the best competition wherever they are, whatever style. Um, and obviously MLW is the biggest stage in all the wiffle ball, you know, like it's got the biggest audience, the biggest following. Um, so to get an opportunity, yeah, to be an MLW, I, I did not even fathom. I live in New York, the leagues in Michigan. So the fact that this is still a real thing blows my mind, honestly, like going in year two, I'm still, still weird that I'm in MLW, but, um, since they see all the posts, like not only friends and family, people that I work with students uh, that I have, like, they think it's awesome now. Um, they follow the league. They they root for me. Like they know all about the Eagles, the Diamondbacks. So like it's awesome that people finally support it. Um, and see that wiffle ball is pretty cool. Like if I was to tell people before, which I never really would, that I travel the country playing in wiffle ball tournaments, they look at me like, man, that that sounds pretty dumb. <laughs> but you know, once you see MLW and the production that goes into it, and just how well done the content is, and how talented the people are, and the crazy things that happen, it's pretty cool. You know, so um. I could be playing cornhole, which uh, that's boring. You know, no one wants to watch that or darts. I would say wiffle ball is a little bit better than both of those two. Mm-hmm. It's cool. And for the record, those of you out there who are playing in your own backyard leagues and tournaments, uh, don't be discouraged. You don't need the biggest audience in the world either. Look at Jordan. He did it for 15 years because he loves it, not because he wants the big no audience. No one knew me. Yeah, exactly. No one right. knew who I was until I joined MLW. But yes, yeah, so I was doing it for 10 years. No one knew it. No one cared about it. But um. You know, it just goes to show how huge MLW is. Just all about having fun. Yep. So you, you've Jordan, you've played wiffle ball for all this time. Uh, clearly, you know, put a lot of time and effort and practice into it. Um, it's it's kind of more, you know, more of a hobby or more than a hobby for you at this point. But um, when you're not fighting obesity on the front lines, do you have any other hobbies other than wiffle ball? <laughs> Um, I coach varsity wrestling at the, uh, at the school district that I work at. And I also am the assistant varsity baseball coach. So, uh, coaching takes up, if I'm not playing wiffle ball, all of my time, like truly from September to Memorial day weekend, six days a week, I'm doing some form of coaching, running some practice. So like once Memorial day weekend hits and I can finally just focus on me, not worry about other people. It's the best thing in the world. Like I need that time for May till august or nationals in october to just unwind from all that because coaching wrestling is a lot it's the most time consuming sport um i would say yeah like coaching would be a hobby um i'm trying to just think of general other things i do uh that's i mean that's coaching like yeah you know uh, i'm trying to learn how to cook so i'd say that that's definitely a hobby i'm trying to perfect so definitely becoming a better cook that's i'll say those two things yeah cool um, right on. By the way, I saw one of your wrestlers won a state championship this last weekend, so congratulations on that. Was that your first time ever as a coach or no? Thank you. Yes, first time ever as a coach. Um, wrestling in New York is very, very tough. There's a ton of ton of talented guys, but uh, our 110-pounder, Luke Satriano, he won a state championship this weekend. Like It's an extremely difficult thing to do to be a part of it. Like Great kid, hardest worker, hardest working kid that I know, so like... To be a part of it, I had faith that he could do it, but even if you're the best guy, you need to stay healthy. You need to have a good path through the bracket. You need to perform the day of. So it, yeah. it's surreal, but uh, yeah, I coach a state champion. You know, I, I never That's I so cool. Never imagined it, but yep. That's I, wrestled, I, I wrestled for a very brief stint as a, as a youngster, and that sport is... I played a lot of different sports. Wrestling is is unlike any other sport it's completely it takes a completely different breed of person 
to be successful at that sport and stick with it. So yeah, winning state championship in any state is a huge accomplishment and New York, you know, great wrestling, just like Michigan. Yep. Ton of good guys, the mean brothers and all that. Uh, you Michigan's having a, you know, good run, good couple mm-hmm. past NCAA performances lately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So um, congratulations to your boy. That's pretty cool. Um, I will say too, you talked about, we were talking about football in your tournaments and stuff like that, talking about the national tournament, and your desire to win a national championship. So this year at UFs, that was your first year competing for a national championship while also being, you know, part of this MLW umbrella, part of our family. So while you were playing on a different team, your Phenoms team at UFs, was it cool to kind of have some support though too of the MLW fans despite you not being on our team? Oh yeah, like I I truly feed off of that. Like anyone yelling or any anyone cheering me on, I genuinely feed off of that. So like Sunday morning facing the Texas team TC35 there's some little kid in the upper deck like screaming, let's go, Jordan. Like, <laughs> uh, like I was just feeding off that. And not only just that kid, like all weekend, truly, people coming up to me, asking me for pictures, asking me for autographs, like something I never would fathom. Like we play wiffle ball, you know, you can never fathom that. But it was it was an awesome weekend. And like I, I feed off that. Like I love the big moments. I love having uh, all the eyes on me. So I think it definitely made me play better and just humbling. Like even at the state tournament this weekend, um, I just texted Tommy about the draft and mm-hmm. like trying, trying to, you know, Mallard's strategy going on. But, uh, guy sitting next to me is like, you Jordan Robles from MLW? It was like, yeah. And just started <laughs> having, you know, <laughs> having a conversation with him uh, about the league and stuff. And just so random, like to still weird to be recognized, but, um, it's awesome. I love it. Like if anyone ever sees me say, Hey, I will talk to you, talk to everybody. So, uh, don't be afraid. How, of- how often does that happen? Jordan? Not very often, honestly, like, yeah. um, but it, it does happen. Mm-hmm. I would say like when um, the first series, the Cobra series, when I was at the Holiday Inn waiting for Tommy and Kyle to pick me up, we're going to go get di- get dinner. There's a youth travel baseball team that was there and the kid in front of me kept looking at me and looking at his phone and looking at me. Um, and then I heard him tell his mom, like, that, that's him. That's him. Um, so the <laughs> mom came up to me and was like, yeah, he's like, he recognizes you from something. And it was like, wiffle ball, maybe. He's yeah. like, yeah, MLW. And then I was like, Kyle and, uh, and Tommy are on the way, and his eyes lit up. Like, Kaylee <laughs> could not believe it. Um, it was pretty cool. So uh, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, he stood there. Once Kyle and Tommy came to the lobby, said what's up to the kid, and took some pictures. It's awesome. Like, it's crazy. Even in Houston, when me and Kyle went, a um, ton of people recognized us mm-hmm. outside the stadium. What I'm curious about, too, for you and for myself even, because I always say, like, I don't get recognized very often. I still think I'm... S- like actually me being by myself at a non MLW affiliated thing. It's less than 10 times my whole life. I'm curious for all the guys in the league as to how many times we get recognized and no one, people are like scared to come up to us. You know what I mean? Cause that's yeah. probably a higher number than you think it'd be. I don't know. Maybe everyone who's seen me has approached me, but I feel like that's not probably true. Not that I care. This isn't like my ego talking. I'm just genuinely curious now and wondering. Well, it's funny you say that because, uh, the one time that I like, the one time I got recognized or at least the one that sticks in my brain the most was at a restaurant and it was like after a basketball tournament, like a youth basketball tournament, there was a bunch of, you know, kids run around in there and they were like looking at me like, like it was almost like, you know, what, what, what's the, what's the beef here, kids? Like, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was really, it, it ended up being their parent that like came over like with the kid 
and was like, you know, he was telling me who you were. And, uh, I, you know, I basically made him like come up here because, you know, obviously like he's got, wants to meet you, but yeah, to all you fans out there or whatever, if you guys do happen to recognize us, uh, you know, in public anywhere, like never be shy at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I did have, I know I have one person who recognized me and didn't approach me because they commented about how they saw me and were scared to come up. So please don't be shy. <laughs> but it's always cool. It's always funny. How could you be scared of Tommy? I'm a pretty scary guy, Jack. What can I say? Yeah, very intimidating. Pretty scary guy. Um, besides that, Jordan, um, I know it sounds like you got a lot more whiffs planned than you for this, this upcoming summer. Um, championship's the goal, right? Yeah, I, I want to win every tournament that I play in. Obviously, I, I don't, you know, do this to take second or take third. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, goal, goals, win goals to get better. Um, play the best people possible so that come October, I uh, I am, you know, hitting that peak stride and, and playing the best that I can. And there's nothing that I haven't seen throughout the year that I'll see come October. So just playing the best people I possibly can. Good luck in October getting through us, MLW All-Stars. <laughs> I won't be on that team this year. I don't think I'm not good enough anymore. I think we need to give uh, get Jordan a shirt that says, if you ain't first, you're last. That's right. <laughs> a wise man once said that. Yeah. Uh, you know, wise, yeah. very wise man. You don't want to play. <laughs> playing for second place is in nobody's best, best interest, Jack. It, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, like, well, why'd you show up? I don't know. I don't get it, but. Yeah, for real, for real. But, all right, dude, I don't want to hold you too long tonight. I appreciate it, and I want to get you back to your snow day meditation. Um, I don't know what that routine looks like for you, but my prayers are going to you. I hope Top you have the day off tomorrow. <laughs> yeah hopefully uh hopefully the snow comes yeah for real for real anything else from you jack no i got nothing jordan thanks for uh thanks for coming on always a pleasure uh having you on the podcast thank you guys uh yeah you know always happy to go on pipe it up best podcast in the game <laughs> and uh like this video subscribe all that stuff appreciate that appreciate that jordan <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will be in touch soon. I appreciate it. Fans at home, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Alec Warda has four older sisters. We will see you all next week. Oh, 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 oh,